Hi, I'm Chud X. And I'm Lanny. And this is The World As It Is Today. All right, here we are again another week later and we're back. How are you doing today, Chud? Doing pretty good. I'm staying uh I'm staying in high spirits through this uh you know, we we passed the solstice now. Days are getting shorter again. You can hardly tell. I've caught a sunrise almost every single day since we recorded last. Did you today? Was, yep, today. Oh, it yeah. was totally clear when I got up today. Oh, awesome. Mhm. Yeah. So we've had some weird weather mm-hmm. since the solstice too. And the and um, I couldn't see the moon yesterday or today. It's a new moon today, but the two days before I could see that little tiny crescent moon there mm-hmm. as the sun was rising oh, cool. and in the same same space of vision. Cool. So like that's always like extra impressive to me when I can see the moon and sunrise at the same time. Right. I can see. It. Well, I don't see the moon rise, but I see the. Yeah. The moon in the sky while I watch the sunrise. Yeah, that makes it so then the shape of the moon is not based on the shadow of the earth. No. Yeah. The people think that I mean I thought that. Yeah, I think people who haven't thought about it. Yeah. I mean like that. I thought that I was taught that, but I don't even think I was taught no, that. No, I bet you weren't. Like I wasn't taught that. But that's that's what they point, say in eclipses though, right? An eclipse yeah. is that. That's what yeah. So they say. You know, I don't know what any of it is. <laughs> I, I'd rather not know. Yeah. Well, maybe I'd rather really know, but I'd rather not, you know, Who, don't stress fuss, myself yeah, out. Yeah, don't fuss too much out. about it when you know you can't ever really know. Mm-hmm. Not not now, anyway, we can't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cool thing. I mean, I think that's what that's what's really intriguing about so much about nature. It's just the wonder, you yeah. know? And that's what, what it was like, how you felt when you were a kid and... and and by putting names to things and, and labeling them, you miss out on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's what that's what all of this is. <laughs> that's uh, I don't know, trying to put put labels, names, things in boxes. Like I don't know, it's uh, it's what uh, it's what's messing us up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, real quick, we got kind of a topic we've decided we want to talk about today, but I'll mention. Um, I think there's just a week left, like a little over a week. Oh, till the next um, uh... till the next workshop. Mm-hmm. So fermentation for food preservation online on Zoom, Friday, five p.m. That's July eighth. So so that's the, the the basic one again. Yeah, so that's just uh, getting started with fermentation for food preservation. So specifically, how to preserve your vegetables long term understanding botulism, mold, that kind of stuff, not to be afraid, how we've been lied to about it. And um, yeah, so then you'll learn two methods of um, fermenting vegetables, the dry salt method and the brine method. And we've got cool people coming. It's also it's also one where you're going to kind of go over uh, like the basic, like like what fermentation is. Yes, it's a very much the starter. If you're going to start somewhere, this is the one to start with. Right. But if you've already done my beverages workshop and you want a bigger picture, this is all. It's also good to go back and do this one. Yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, when I designed it, when I wrote it, I didn't, intended to have this be a starter for people who either have dabbled or have done absolutely nothing and maybe don't even know what fermentation is. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what it is and you don't know the difference between fermenting or canning or pickling, or you thought fermentation was just, um, you know, making hooch or, you right. know, that's a common, that's common, yeah. right? If like, you just thought it was toilet wine. That's mm-hmm. my other workshop. Mm-hmm. That's the beverages workshop. It's the toilet wine workshop. <laughs> <laughs> that's the important, that's one. the really important one, but, um, that's the one for the true American heroes <laughs> Yeah, and the people in prison. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this one is just like, just to get started, like no matter what your skill, uh, well, I shouldn't say skill level, but understanding of it so far is we'll talk about my understanding of it and my experience with it. And there'll be other people that have varying experiences that can share as well. And that's the point of why we do it in a workshop setting, because then you can get everybody's feedback, everybody's knowledge, and we can all, you know, kind of spitball together. Mm -hmm. And obviously I do more of the talking than anyone else, but so far, We've had really cool people in all these, and there's been a lot of people that added a lot to the workshops. Uh, this time, 
Kyle from the Big Dumb Podcast is signed up with his fiance. Oh, they're signed up. Good. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I think Shane from uh, Inquiries of Our Reality podcast uh-huh. and his and Big Dumb Inquiries <laughs> and Big those two of them they're they, like basically they podcast well. married. <laughs> they're podcast gay married. Um, so um, Shane and his uh, his wife ish I think girlfriend wife they've been together forever and have two kids so I'm calling her a wife Wife. I'm going with it um she I think her name's Gabby yes she is she's coming too so that'll be cool and then also other rad people listeners um Ellie I think she she goes by one thumb L on online she's got a podcast as well that I haven't listened to yet but she seems cool she reached out to me at some point after hearing uh, me on some uh, the legit bat thing with Andy oh, Rouse nice. and she, she seems rad too. So she's going to, she's coming as well. So I'll get to meet her. That's excellent. Yeah. And then there's, there's room for more people. So if you're interested, you, you want to come hang out with those goons that I just described and uh, talk about fermentation and learn about leaving food on your counter in jars, then I'm happy to uh, have you come and join us. Just send me an email to greener postures at PM.me. So, Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. If you saw someone who was uh, taking cut potatoes that were ready for seed, mm-hmm. and they just kind of like threw them in the ground and mm-hmm. kicked some dirt over them. Mm-hmm. You saw them doing that. Would you tell them that they were doing it wrong? Probably probably not. No, I'd probably ask them some questions mm-hmm. about what their thought process and if they had done that before. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what we do. I mean, there's a couple extra steps. Yeah, right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, I think most people would. That's uh, that, that, that would that. be a hard one for a lot of people. Or it, another person might walk into someone's apartment and they have house plant, one house plant, mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Oh, it shouldn't be here. It should be over here, and you should trim it like this and do this with it." Yeah. Um, that's uh, that's a different kind of attitude than we tend to take in our garden. Yeah, it is, and um, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today is. There's a lot of different ways to do something. So there's not one right way to do pretty much anything. I don't think there's anything I can think of that there's only one right way to do it. Uh, I don't know. I bet if we scratched our heads, <laughs> we could we could think of things. If you can think of... There's probably s- procedures in nuclear power plants where there's only one right <laughs> way to do things. But how would you really know, man? But <laughs> is nuclear but is power that even real? All just a psyop. <laughs> I go so we're going to be talking about nuclear power. <laughs> I go today. swimming in the waste tanks. <laughs> no, um, we're talking about gardens. We're talking about gardens because that's more in our wheelhouse than yeah. the nuclear power plant for sure. But uh, even so, I feel like it's barely in my wheelhouse. I'm only on. I don't know. I did two gardens at our old house. And this is my third garden in this house. We yeah. skipped a growing season when we first moved in where we didn't really get anything going. Well, I did a bunch of stuff, but it didn't come out very well. I did those rows. Oh, that was the second year when I was pregnant. The first year we moved here at the end of May and we were still moving into June. We didn't have a garden at all. We didn't all. do any garden? We only had herbs and, yeah. and stuff in pots. And I was so busy cleaning stuff up. Yeah, was, we were just trying to unbury things. Yeah, I guess we didn't. Yeah, we didn't, didn't have a lawnmower yet. We didn't have a rototiller. We yeah, didn't have we a did rototiller. Not. We did not. We did not do it. You're right. No, we planted the herbs that you bought me. So we planted rosemary yeah, and yeah, thyme and stuff in things. the front, like right, right next to the porch. Yeah. But that was it. So this is only my fifth season ever growing vegetables Mm -hmm. and you have prior experience. Would you mind talking about that prior experience? Yeah, I'd kind of mind. (laughs) Cause like I actually, I don't know your story um, that well either. So if you could tell our listeners and maybe I'll learn something new. Yeah, sure. So I grew up here, um, you know, next door to where we're at now. Uh, This was my grandpa's place and grandpa and grandma. And uh, they were, retired farmers who kept a very large garden and I spent all of my free time over here. Um, I, we lived in a, in a little mobile home, uh, down the road and this was, this was the place to be. Mm -hmm. So I tagged along all the way through the growing season for the first, what, eight years of my life. Um, you know, maybe not the first two, Mm -hmm. but then by the time I was able to, to walk, well, actually, yeah, because we moved into that house. I lived across the street from here. Until you were until five. I was five. I, just before I turned six was when we moved. And, um, but and yeah. You, and you moved just down the street. Just down yeah, the street. From across yeah. the street to down the street. 
And um, yeah, as soon as I could walk and I was able to cross the road, I was spending all my time here, which my grandpa maintained the vegetable garden while my grandma did all kinds of decorative flowers like roses and uh, rhododendrons and, you know, all kinds of stuff decorating the yard. Uh, like where we planted the um, the herbs that you just mentioned. Uh -huh. Like that was always, you know, filled with something different yeah. each year. tulips or whatever, right? Yeah, like tulips or lilacs or not lilacs, um, lilies uh -huh. or, um, you know, d different different stuff every year there's and then oh of, yeah and also like lilacs and other bushes and there's lots like of that. evidence of that still around because there's huge gigantic rhododendrons that are taller than the house and one of them even has a rose bush that's like intertwined with the rhododendron yes. that's up taller than our house it's like and it's got a bunch like that's down low but then there's feet? some that go up through that rhododendron and they and bloom pop out they and bloom, bloom up top so there's and roses you can smell them from like yeah 20 feet away they're huge beautiful pink roses mm -hmm. yeah there's a few rose bushes still left the lilacs and mm -hmm. lots and lots and lots of rhododendrons mm -hmm. and it's all tangled in morning glory now yeah and we have that beautiful big huge patch of wild roses too mm -hmm. oh yeah that's that's a special bush isn't it it is a special bush that's i took flowers from that when i proposed for you to mm -hmm. you right after i accused you of taking me down to a wooded area to murder me right and <laughs> Such Which a true story. I, I might as well have by, by <laughs> marrying you. I know. By, Marriage is the end of life. By today's standards <laughs> and what people think. Yeah, you did kill me. That I took, was where I took my away life your ended. life. My life ended there. No, it just began. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, but yeah, so my favorite was always the vegetables. That was the, the man's section. You know, <laughs> That's where my grandpa was. And I idolized my grandpa. And we would set up every year. He would put stakes on each end of, you know, approximately the same place we have now, except the whole thing would get tilled up. And he'd put a stake on each end and run a string and then walk along. He'd take a hoe, open the whole thing up in just a little trough, and then walk along with seeds and drop them in and close them over. And he'd hoe and weed that every day, every single day. Not a day would go by that he wouldn't just, you know, take like a little... Uh, triangle tipped hoe that's pretty small and go in between every little thing. So it wasn't doing much bending over by that point. He just nope. kind of walk around. He was an with old man. Hoe. Yeah. Yeah. He and he had probably the best garden on the block. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, it was always very very full. Um, so that was my childhood experience. But then, you know, as I got to be like probably you know I guessed earlier eight maybe ten, you know, I started wanting to spend more time with friends and. You know, I wanted to go swimming in the summer more than hang out with my grandpa, which, you know, we also uh, hayed and things like that, chopped wood, you know, all those kinds of things. But I kind of kind of started gravitating more towards my peers rather than my family and um, got away from that altogether. You know, you know, the abbreviated uh, eventually I ran away from home and, uh, uh, you know, lived my own life in a way and then uh, ended up back in this area and my grandpa was still alive at the time and but he was old real old not doing the garden anymore and i asked him if i could do a garden here one question you skipped over one part after oh, yeah. you ran away mm -hmm. when you did come home mm -hmm. one of the terms was that if you weren't going to go to school you were going to get going to get a job mm -hmm. and was that first job was at a farm wasn't it oh yeah so oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's, I guess that's a big chapter too. I worked at an organic truck farm for a couple of years, uh, truck farm. Uh, I did not know what it was when I was going to apply. I thought it was going to be working on trucks, <laughs> but, uh, well, that, where does that term come from? I, I think it's because you truck your vegetables to town. Yeah. I, I think it just means that you grow a little bit of everything that it's not, you're not a, just producing potatoes. Yeah. You're, you've, you're doing a bunch of stuff. Okay. And that was uh, that was a whole different experience than than my childhood way of gardening. Uh, that you know it was much 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 bigger, mm -hmm. like real big, and um, you know real long rows. And there was some weeding, like but it would be like down on your hands and knees and pulling weeds as yeah. opposed to just walking by with a hoe. And that would be done. So things would get planted, and then as soon as they started sprouting, we would take cheesecloth and roll it way down these rolls. I mean, like uh, these rows and then unfold that over and then stake that down. So it would get plenty of sunlight through, but 
and water and and water would go through but uh i guess it would keep bugs out and it would keep weeds down and then so like weeding was you know two or three people would unstake one side and then fold it over to the other side then we'd go down the row weed it Mm -hmm. uh how old were you like 14 15 14 15 yeah were you driving yourself there? No. No. So no, you were, I didn't have a license yet. It was before you were 16. Yeah. I turned 16 while I was doing that. Okay. But I didn't get my license right away. Uh, by that time, I had such a, a good rapport with the people. It was just part of the daily process that they came out and picked me up about a mile from here. Okay. So I'd walk every morning, wait at a corner, and they'd make a loop pick me up and then go to the, the local bus station and pick up a couple other people okay. and then drive back. Oh, cool. That was just part of the, part of the deal. And it was this old farmer. He was really freaking cool. Uh, two years, I exchanged probably 15 words with the guy. <laughs> the guy chain smoked uh, filterless camels mm-hmm. and hung out in a greenhouse in which he slept. And it was like his, his home was yeah. his greenhouse. And uh, all he would do in there was bake bread, sourdough bread. Oh, nice. He made cheese, and he would make, he made all the decisions for this whole farm. But it didn't come to me. It went to his son and son-in-law, who then, you know, would tell the workers. And, um, yeah, that was a, the best part of that gig was daily lunches. Oh, that really? were made by that old guy. Oh, whoa! And uh, homemade cheese and, and bread. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was every every day there would be a a chunk of this bread that was baked with the cheese on it. Oh, whoa! And then a soup. That's amazing. And uh, it was always vegetarian, not because they were vegetarian. But they had vegetables. But in, it was yeah. a vegetable farm. It was just he was using what what was around. Yeah. And uh, that, but they were definitely meat eaters, because <clears throat> there'd be. Uh, you know, chicken carcasses and stuff like they were, they were always making broths. And yeah. The, 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 oh yeah. They weren't vegetarian. Cause the, uh, all the, all the soups were broth based. Broth. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a, you know, that was a job that was, you know, I worked for people mm-hmm. in that case. I didn't, I didn't. And I was like really stoned Yeah. and you know, just being a kid, except I was working all the time. Yeah. And then I got the, the offer to work at a wood shop or an, a, a chance to apply. And I lied about my age. I was 16 at that time. It wasn't lying. It was omitting, wasn't it? Didn't, uh, didn't it just kind of not come no, up? No, it came up because they said, they said, and you're over 18, right? Because we can't be insured for anyone who's under 18. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's when I got my license was to, was to take that job. So you took like, that job because that town. was, that was in town and Downtown. you know, it, uh, that was even more of a job than the other one. I didn't have any rapport with anybody. No one was going to come pick me up every day. Yeah. Um, and then a few years later, uh, decided to get back into growing vegetables, talked to my grandpa and he gave, gave me permission to, to start growing stuff here. So it's when he was living here, your grandma had passed away mm-hmm. years before mm-hmm. and he wasn't doing the garden anymore. No. So, so, so we, yeah, me and some friends, a group, a small group of friends, we, we went to town on, on getting this place set up to grow vegetables. We got one overhead picture taken from a plane during that time. Yep. It's kind of nice to look at. Uh, we set up hoop house, uh, greenhouses and grew, grew starts in those and then moved them out into, we didn't do it where we're doing a garden now. It was more by the hog barn mm-hmm. where we have our uh, burn, pile burn, burn pile, hog barn, parking, <laughs> uh, the orchard extends into where we yeah. were now. Um, but, uh, that was also Rose. That was going off of what I'd learned at the, at the truck farm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all organic. The guy that I was working with a lot, he was really into the whole organic thing. Um, like the certification and he got us certified oh, to be yeah. organic, which is one of my, uh, stories of why I know that that's all fucking bullshit yeah. because, um, that the fields were rented out as we've mentioned on here many times, yeah. right. To con to commercial farmer who sprayed those things multiple times every year. And they're year. growing feed corn. Yeah. Right. And that's what a hundred yards from where you guys were planting. No, 50, 50, yards. 50 yards. Yeah. Like, that little strip, what we call the L-shaped woods, yeah. that width. Yeah. You know, we were up to those L-shaped woods 
and they were on the other side of that. Yeah. That's not, that's not even 50 So they're spraying yards. over there and you're not spraying over here and you're certain. And we, uh, and he sent in all, he did all the paperwork. He got all the paperwork. He did all the paperwork. He just said that, no, we don't spray. There's no spraying here. Um, and we got, but we didn't need to, because they said we didn't need to put owner will maintain signs up for the road because mm-hmm. county sprays mm-hmm. on the sides of the road. And uh, they said we would need to have that in order to be certified to, to not let the county spray. And um, uh, the, but then they looked at our plan and they were like, oh, no, you're far enough away from that. Like, it's OK. But we got those anyway because we just wanted to stop the spraying over there. But it was a non-negotiable to my grandfather that the, the man who rented out the place, it was an old friend of yeah. his, a younger friend of his that he was like, no, this, you know, he did a lot of work for me throughout my years as he was, as he was a young man. And now he's, he's of age and he's taking over these things. And it was a cool, you know, like whatever that was, that was that. But he just never mentioned in any of that, that 17 and a half about, actually it was more than that. It was 20 acres of this place, 20 acres of the same property was all being sprayed with Roundup three times a year. He just never mentioned it. Yeah. They never checked on it. And we got the yellow tape, guys. We got the yellow tape that goes around it that certifies that the USDA says that it's okay and it's organic. That's all you need. Uh, That's all we did was pay a bunch of money, fill out pointless paperwork, and then we get that fucking tape. So that's why growing your own food or knowing your farmer is the only way to see if your food isn't sprayed with shit. And because even with... Uh, as my understanding is like organic certification can still include certain types of pesticides, just not glyphosate and mm-hmm. some of the worst ones. Yeah. But then there's ones that they deem acceptable as well, which, which I haven't which researched we, at which all. Which we may or may not find acceptable. Yeah. And I just <laughs> want to say, well, fuck all that. Like I, it's stupid. I like, it's like how many words on this package can make me feel better about buying this item? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you, you got to eat, so do what you got to do. But if you're able, grow it or know who grows it. And that's that's how you guarantee that something is organic. And mm-hmm. I don't mean the certification. I mean really, truly just from nature and, and not poisoned. Yep. So you had an organic f- farm yourself. <laughs> yeah, technically. Uh, I didn't like the way all that went. Mostly because the guy that I'm talking about and I essentially just didn't get along. Uh, I kind of got in over my head with like, oh, hey, you want to grow vegetables too? Yeah, so do I. Like, let's, you know, just do this like on my family's property. And it just kind of got out of my hands. Yeah. And I didn't like where it was going. So that lasted one full season. Then we started a second season and we kind of had a blowout and didn't finish that season. Okay. Yeah. Then did, where did, were you involved with selling those vegetables? Nope. That was all him. (laughs) He, uh, set up booths at, uh, various, uh, farmers markets. Yeah. Not like big ones in cities, but, uh, like the outskirt towns that have real small ones ones where it's easier to get a table without paying all of your money. Yeah. It's like a, it's a fraction of the cost. You know, you pay, you pay like 10 bucks and you, and it's just, you know, you show up and you pay and you put up your table. Whereas like the one in the city, you like have to like, you reserve a space for the year. For the season. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was a little more flyby and it made it that if we just didn't have enough or he was busy, we just didn't sell that. Right. Um, at that one, but he had like three or four. Were you vegetarian at that time? Yep. Still? Yeah. Were you eating well from this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I was eating a lot. That's great. Um, it was, considering the fact that I was drinking all the way through that, it was like probably some of the healthier time that I had. Um, what um, What kind of stuff do you do you remember growing during that? Because oh. what, what are we talking? This is like 20 years ago? It's like... Yeah. Holy crap. 18 years ago? Yeah. Uh, what, how old were you? It was you? 2003 was the full season. Okay. So yeah, 19 I'll, years ago. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, what stuff did you grow? So we grew a lot of broccoli. Okay. Broccoli was the was the the mainstay. Uh-huh. Uh, that was like being harvested daily and sold all the time. Also, cauliflower, a lot of cauliflower. Those were just popping off for us. We grew way too much kale. Uh-huh. Um, 
we thought that it, there would be a market for it, and and there was to some degree, but um, it really produces, and it, every time you cut it back, it grows more. Yeah, and just, and people just didn't buy it like they did broccoli. Yeah, like broccoli was just we we couldn't have grown enough. Yeah, you know it was whatever we took, a ton of potatoes. Okay, um, we grew a lot of potatoes, uh, carrots, beets. Um, a little bit of everything, but those were the ones that I remember selling the most. Yeah. Those are the ones I remember like washing and, and setting up for him. Yeah. Cause he, he picked up a whole lot of like crates and things like that. Mm -hmm. and did it all out of his pickup truck. Okay. That's cool. So that's, yeah. Lots of a varying experience of growing stuff. Yeah. Whereas my, my mom put, um, tulip bulbs in our flower bed one time when I was a kid and like that. And then we had shrubs and I lived like on a road with the freeway as my backyard. Mm -hmm. So it was like way, di way different. It was not, I, we didn't grow stuff, but like when I went to preschool, I went to a Montessori school and it was like kind of a hippie situation and we had a goat and like a little garden and stuff. So I, I was I, I was under, I understood the idea of putting a seed in the ground, a plant growing, you know, it wasn't totally foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't until our square foot garden at our last home, when we lived in the little double wide that I actually did that myself and watched it. And really the very first thing was growing basil in a windowsill, growing basil and making pesto. And that was pretty satisfying. Um, I've actually never grown basil outside. Cause it's such a, it's kind of like tomatoes. There's such a small window of when that's going to be okay outside here. And it does pretty good in a pot in the house. So that's what I've done. But, uh, one thing I've noticed about, well, about pretty much anything, and I'm even guilty of it too, sometimes without realizing it, you like study on something and you read about it and you think you have your idea of how things work. And then somebody else mentions doing it a different way. And you're like, oh, well, actually, you should do it this. Or you should take into account this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And so when we um, did our first year garden here, there was someone stopped over and told me that it was much too early to be planting. And it was March. Mm -hmm. um, it was middle of March. And I was putting seeds in the ground. And I was like... In my head, I was felt late. I thought that I should, there's certain things that can be go, go in the ground here before the last frost and peas are one of them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, let's have early peas. If I do early peas, I can do late peas in the fall and we can have two rounds of peas in one season. That would be really neat. Like snap peas, kids like And this is all stuff you learned on your own from doing your square foot garden. I did my square foot garden and, you know, reading that square foot garden book by Bartholomew, whatever, Mel Bar Bartholomew. Okay. And then, um, uh, also from just Googling stuff and our zone in this area and like talking to other people. Well, most importantly though, is that you'd, you'd done that square foot and you'd seen how, how many times you could get peas out yeah. of one. And square I saw foot. that, I saw that peas like wet and mm -hmm. I saw that peas like it cool. And I thought that the sooner I get them in there and I thought that the seeds are hardy and won't rot and that the sprouts can survive cooler temperatures. So I just thought, then the other thing I thought, like, why don't people talk about this? Maybe they do. And I haven't heard it, but when a plant is in nature, it goes to seed and drops its seed. And then the seed sits there in the ground over the winter in the freezing temperatures until the soil conditions are just right in the spring and then they sprout the plant and grow. Yeah. So why wouldn't I just put the seeds in at Christmas time if I felt like it mm -hmm. and walked away from my garden and then waited for it to come up by itself? Because we know better than nature, damn it. <laughs> if that seed stays out over the winter, it's going to die. So with that logic of understanding that how nature does that, I think telling me that it's too early to plant is stupid because maybe it's too early to put a start that I bought at the store outside because it will die, but it's not too early to put seeds in the ground. And, and the, the exception would be is if you plant something that could rot in the ground and then wouldn't produce, but the worst case scenario is it's just not going to come up and then you could put some more seeds in there. Right. And then, then you would learn that yourself for your conditions and your soil and your climate right and that here year. where you are yeah. in this place. So learning from experience is always better. And that's why I, sometimes I feel like an idiot when I try to chime in on something that I actually haven't even done. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that, you know, feeling like a, I don't know, 
a Google warrior where you're like, I understand this because I read two pages on it and one was Wikipedia, you know, Mm -hmm. and one was a blog. And it's like all of that stuff online is just different people's experience in their area and their, you know. So then, so then this other, that really got in my head though, that first season. Right, right. And, and, and I didn't plant some of the things I had intended to because I was worried. And then when I finally did, I felt like I had done it too late. Mm-hmm. And when I went through the season, I realized I had done it too late because by the time things were really getting going, I realized it was getting too hot for those plants. Mm-hmm. And if I would have planted them sooner, they could have come to maturity before the temperatures would have got there. So I learned something from that hesitation and by observing it, right? Yeah. Then the next year we planted here, that same person came over and told me that again. And I was just like, whatever, <laughs> right? But then somebody else came over here when we had just got a um, like compost. 15 yards of, of compost. Big old load. It was like a dump truck came and, and dumped a bunch of manure compost. And because we had, well, we, you had just framed <laughs> all our garden beds with uh, cedar trees that had fallen in the woods and you cut them up to the sizes I had you, asked you, you to. You can call this a collective, we did this for okay. sure. Right? There's, that's... It's, it's my design, but I did not do it any heavy lifting. I had the, was, would, would we have had the baby inside by then? Outside of my body, I mean, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. November, December, January, February, yeah. March. Yep, we did by that time. Yeah, he would have been like three or four months old. So I was still I was still healing and caring for myself and the little guy. But I had this great idea and it actually, it's turned out great because here's the second year we're using these beds. And everything has been easier than any time I've ever done this before. Yeah. Like, so love it. Thank you. And it felt so good this year to get going on gardening stuff instead of building the garden for um you know that took me like a month exactly we weren't using a chainsaw and moving heavy logs with the tractor mm-hmm. um, we weren't building fences we were just deciding where we wanted to plant stuff mm-hmm. and getting the beds ready in a very simple way by pulling weeds or killing weeds by covering them with something yeah so anyway um that's that year that we had the compost delivered so last year um this these people came over I didn't know well and one of them there was an older woman that had been a master gardener her whole life has a beautiful garden at her house and has gone I think I don't know what it means to be a master gardener you just call yourself that like saying you're a chef or did you have to go to school is this like a certification I have no idea I'm not going to look into it either okay yeah all right so anyway master gardener (laughs) so they say and she's gone to like a four-year college at least for for Horticulture, horticulture, botany, botany, whatever, you know? Um, So she knows all about nitrogen and other things that are in soil. Potassium. And phosphate. Phosphate, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, soil temperature and moisture levels. She she has uh, studied very well what the readings of soil should be in order to grow certain things. Yeah, and pH level and all of that stuff, okay? So, and I understand that those things exist and there's ways to measure those things and stuff and they can be useful to you if you understand it, possibly, right? Sure. But that's not the way I learn and I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. At some point I might say, how did I ever live without using this temperature uh, gauge for soil temperature monitor sure. or whatever? But, but right now I have one and I've never used it. Yep. Okay. So she comes over and sees our huge pile of um, compost and our empty framed beds with cardboard in them. And she says, oh, but you know, you can't plant straight into that stuff, right? And I, and my heart, like, like I felt sick to my stomach and I was like, yeah, like, I know, like these aren't raised beds. Like, like we didn't put down landscape fabric. This there's soil underneath it. We're not planting straight into it. We're, you know, in in my head is what I'm thinking. Like the soil will eventually mix itself. It's like, you know, it's going to be one. Yeah. There's a place for rain to pull the nutrients well, down below we have it other stuff that we're putting in there too and our compost our was compost going on there too. and yeah. yeah it's i don't know yeah. so anyway but it made me feel really fucking stupid or something right and i was like discouraged for like a day or two and it kind of got in my head and i i went online and like found my friend that i she's a stupid mask person now but she she had oh, yeah. run a farm with about. her mom for like a long yeah. time. They had a little truck farm. Yeah. And I was like, asked her about this specific compost um, 
company from our town and she's like I was like do you plant straight into that and she's like oh yeah I do except my tomatoes like I have to dig deeper you know kind of a thing and uh supplemented with bone meal or something for the tomatoes so she had like a cool tip of what she was doing and she lives pretty close by here similar similar soil you know so I thought that was cool and I thought that was good she's like because this compost is handled correctly it's heated correctly so that it's not it's not going to burn your seeds which was I spent that whole time that the guy was delivering it he was the one who makes the compost and he told us his whole process and he was very uh, particular about it and very proud of his mix. And when I chose that company, I chose that because of that reason mm-hmm. that, that people had said that you can plant into this the same year that this stuff is well cared for. That's not going to like whatever burn your seeds and yep. plants. Yeah. So anyway, we moved forward regardless of what the smart garden. Yeah, we didn't said. just abandon ship because no, because college person said yeah. you do want it wrong. Cause I feel like there's there's so much of that. There's so many experts out there that you're telling there's, there's the right way to do things. And I don't think she's wrong. Like she can, the way she does things obviously works for her. And maybe, maybe everything that she's talking about does make for a better condition. Yes. But it doesn't mean you can't do it a different way. Right. It just means it might not be the perfect, most ideal setting. Right. So then do you decide in your life that, Oh, whatever is happening is not the perfect ideal thing. So I'm just going to play video games and eat Cheetos. That's why I started this whole thing talking about seeing someone just like jam potato seeds in the ground. Like I was trying to paint a picture of someone who just really doesn't know what they're doing. At least here, you would get potatoes from what I described. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We get potatoes when we didn't ask for them out there. And, uh, it, that is wrong by every, every standard. Oh, you need you know. to dig deeper. And as the plant grows, you need to add more soil. And maybe I could even add, box. maybe I could even add that those potatoes were like from a store. Oh yeah. You have you to know. use organic. You gotta, you gotta you, use organic you or they use, won't sprout. Or maybe they're even organic ones, but they're like, you know, the, it'll be like, no, you can't use the ones that were intended for eating. You need to buy seed potatoes and yeah. split those and then mm-hmm. let those dry. And, and you have to, yeah, those, you have to air dry you know, them first. You can't put them in the sun. And yeah, but this person's just like, I don't know. I just had a bag of potatoes. They got old. They were all sprouty. Uh, I cut them in half. I let them dry out a little bit. And then I just kind of threw them in my yard. And lo and behold, I got a dozen potato plants this year, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so that's, um, we planted our, our food into that compost. That was like basically the top layer. We didn't mix it. Our compost was underneath yeah. it. The, the manure yep. compost, our compost was on top. first and then that on top. And then, um, there was some mixing in the, in the process no, of sure. putting starts in and yeah. stuff, you know, it wasn't, we didn't not touch it. But the seeds basically went straight into the manure compost yeah. and we had a very successful garden last very year. Very successful. It was um, beautiful. And, and it was during a hard year too, where we had too hot of days and we maybe didn't water as much like at first because we're just not used to needing to water. Yeah, because the year before, the we didn't need to water at all. Right. Not once. Not once. But that was going straight into the topsoil, whereas now we're in these raised beds and they don't hold that moisture that the ground is holding just below. And they're only raised by about six inches yeah. from the ground, but it does make a difference anyhow. And then not to mention that just last year was drier. It was just a different... Sure. Year than we were used to. So that taught me to really pay attention to what the soil looks like and, um, like what the, if it's rainy and if, um, you know, dig your finger down into the soil a little bit and see if it's moist underneath it. You know, sometimes it looks like it's dry and it's not really dry below that surface. It also taught us to use stuff like hay or cardboard or something to put around at the base of plants. Cause we had also put our raspberry bushes straight into that, um, last year, not in raised beds, but they were new plants. And then we had the 106 degree days mm-hmm. and it was like frying them. So we didn't get very many blueberries, but we did get some and this year they're loaded. So I'm, I'm hopeful. But the point really is, is that there is so many different ways that for me then to take my experience here and then go to someone else's house across town or in a different state or whatever, and tell them that they're doing it. Oh, well, you can't do that. You need to plant straight into manure compost that's layered with your own compost. Yeah. You need to use cardboard to do your framed beds. And you have to do framed beds. Because we did this once. Be- and, and it, it worked. worked. Or we've been doing it for a couple of years and it works. Um, so uh, if, I, if, I, if I examine what we're talking about a little bit um, to get into the semantics of it, it's all about the phrasing. 
I don't think that we shouldn't tell people what we did. No, absolutely. Uh, I, don't not. I think, think we should that, share our successes. That college yeah. educated people shouldn't tell you that they what they know about pH balance and um, uh, soil mixtures and you know whatever. Um, it's just there's a world of difference between just talking about these things and telling someone that they did something wrong. Uh, the reason that this is this is notable in this case is that it got in your head. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing that doesn't encourage people, but instead discourages people from wanting to grow their own food, which is the opposite of what we want. We want everyone to want to grow food. Right. Therefore, like if someone's grown, if we, if we go, if we make a new friend and they're in the area and they're like, they invite us over to look at their garden and we go in and they're doing stuff totally different than us. It's not a place for us to say, as you did, you know, you're doing it wrong. You're supposed to mix our compost. Never supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be raised beds, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. Uh, but if they're, we can tell them what we're doing or if they're struggling with something, if there's something that's not thriving there, that is thriving in the same conditions here, we, 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 we suss it out. You know, we try and figure out what are we doing different? Why are we more successful than you? And the, really the ultimate goal here is for both of us to be better. Right. And both of us to be encouraged and want to continue. Well, and this. two, when you, you might think like going into a situation that you know better than somebody else because you have more experience than them. But I think it's still really important when you're looking at what they're doing, just to ask them, Hey, why did you choose to do it that way? Because the odds are it's, it's right. It's also right. Mm -hmm. It's just that they've looked at it differently and they have a different understanding than you yeah. or a different skill set. Like maybe you have a bad back. So you build really high raised beds. Mm -hmm. Somebody else uh, likes to, to squat and stretch and they're straight into the ground. You know what I mean? Maybe my grandpa's methods were all wrong by one person's standards, but he would say, yeah, but I can't bend over as much. He's anymore. like, but that's the reason he can still have a garden, even and, though he's got a bad knee. And he was also, you know, pushing 80 at that time and um, uh, had grown a garden every year since he was born. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, and by garden, I mean, he was a farmer. Right. You know, his he grew up on a potato farm where his father sold potatoes was his and main crop. This was a farm. But it was also a homestead. So they lived here. They farmed here. You had your family garden. Mm -hmm. You had your family orchard. And, and then they crops. had they had their crops for sale and they had their chicken eggs for sale. I think there was a lot of overlap with the potato and the chicken eggs, oh, too, yeah. that they sold both of those. Oh, yeah. They were a huge part of it. It wasn't just like the way we think of big industrial farms now where it's one oh. single thing, you know? Not at all. The, just the only thing I was saying there was that their main crop was potatoes. potatoes and even yeah. then they grew oats yeah. and things like that, that they would then harvest and keep here for feed for animals. And they would hay things. Cause yeah. they'd, they'd have uh, a dozen cattle and 200 chickens. And, um, then, you know, maybe, uh, maybe some hogs and other, other and animals acres as of well. potatoes, but then acres of potatoes. That was like the cash crop. Yeah. That was like what would make sure that they had something, even if, if nothing else was. Working. Oh, and fun fact, our nesting boxes for our chickens now are the potato boxes that your oh, yeah. great grandpa had built where they would load a bunch of potatoes in the top. And these were for seed potatoes mm -hmm. and they would then have this like little blade and a hole like, so you could reach in and grab one potato and pull it out through this blade to like split it. Mm -hmm. So they would just, it was like a, it's like a hopper of potatoes that you would pull potatoes yep. through to slice and where that blade was i've there there was no blade anymore when we found them and i've attached ramps to those so they're just standing on four legs boxes with a hole with a hatch and a lid and, and i put a lid on top of each one and now there are nesting boxes and now our nesting boxes so i can lift that lid up it's just a piece of plywood on each one that yeah. lifts up and um where grab we, eggs out of there mm -hmm. easily every day yeah that's two of our five nesting boxes the most popular one yeah Right, it used to be the most well, popular ones. It used to be ones. the most popular ones, but oh, upstairs is yeah, popular. Unfortunately, the one that's hardest to find <laughs> is, the most, is the most popular. Yeah, 
They but, like uh, to see me work for it. They do. They like, well, because we have one that wants to be broody, and she just lives, yeah. like, lives up there now. Yeah. Oh, poor girl. I miss her. She was my favorite fluffy butt. I see her out at least once a day. That's good. She needs to come down for food and water. Mm-hmm. She's trying to make those babies. But yeah, I think that it's it's important to remember that, um, well, what I always say at my workshops too is like my results and my method of doing things are going to be different than yours because of my equipment, resources, knowledge, skill set, uh, environment, like all of these factors, mm-hmm. so many factors. And so somebody else is not doing something wrong. They're doing it differently. And I think that's really, really important to remember in all aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. If you walk around thinking about how someone's doing something differently than you and that's wrong, then it sucks. You're not going to be a happy person. You're not doing anyone any favors. And so like with unschooling our kid, it's really important to me to keep that in the front of my mind because I don't want to be that lady that walks up to him and tells him, you know, you can't plant into that. Yeah. I want to be that lady that walks up to him and say, huh, what are you going to do with all this manure compost? Oh yeah. Have you used it before? Like I'd, I've never planted straight into manure compost. Is that, do you, do you know how that's going to work? Yeah, you man, know, even that though is going to sow a bunch of seeds of doubt. I know, but asking questions is so different than that. Sure. Immediately shutting sure. you down like that. Those questions help you think something through and depending. Yeah, you're right. Depending on the person, if they're already feeling unsure of themselves or weak or, yeah. you know, now there's a good chance if we see that in the future. <coughs> And we've got things even more dialed in. If we, if we got things genuinely dialed in uh, and we see them doing exactly what we did, it would make a lot of sense to me to say, oh, so you're going straight into the manure. Like, that's what we did our first year. And the second year, we added a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, like we just kind of walked them through our first yeah. five years before we found what we like allowing them to a go, Oh yeah. What I'm doing now was the start of this other beautiful thing that these people do, you know, that yeah. we, that these people have dialed in. So we're not doing it wrong, but they just gave us five years worth of worth of advancements on the, on the lessons that they've learned. Yeah. And, and that we can start playing with any of those on year one. That's as opposed to as opposed to having to like play with them slowly over the years and see it unfold under an, over a number of seasons. That's so important too because this this idea of like not interjecting and telling some you're someone they're doing something wrong does not mean don't share information and knowledge. Hotter person. Like it means please share your experience with me in a non-judgmental way mm-hmm. so that I can learn from you. You know, we got a we've got a neighbor uh He's across the, the fence line. Across the turf. Across the turf. <laughs> uh, we call it the Murph turf. Um, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a real small cattle um, homesteader. He has a nice garden and stuff, too. Um, yeah, and his wife cans and, and runs the garden. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're a little bit elderly. Uh, I've, I've, I've known him since I was born. Yeah. He's, he's lived across the fence line. So I was... I was born in this area and he had just started this homestead. Yeah. And I wouldn't call him elderly, but they are grandparents now. Well, when I, when I say elderly, I was going to, I felt I had to interject how long I'd known him because he's, he talks to me and he says, I can't believe that I'm now the old guy. Like, you know, cause he was, he was, he's like my dad's age or yeah. whatever. Maybe yeah, no, he's, 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 younger. he's young. He's younger. He's younger at least 10 years. Uh, so, you know, he was the, he was the young guy with crazy ambitions who bought a little square of land that was nothing but stumps and no, no, re- it was raw land that he bought. Oh. Um, and he bought that one year before I was born and he moved into their house. They finished their house enough to move into the year I was born. Okay. So I'm told I don't remember these things. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> um, but yeah, he can he can't believe that he's the old guy anymore or that he's the old guy now. Um, which he's not quite like you say, but he's the he, older He is, but yeah, just because our parents are older now, the old old gips can push back, you know what I mean? So when I rekindled a relationship with this guy after not seeing him for 20 years and we moved out here and he I almost brought him to tears telling him that we were that we were taking the land back and that we were going to be continue farming. Cause he was just so happy. He, he was great friends with my, my grandpa, as much as he was a mentor to me, I think he was to this guy as well. Um, my grandpa really took him under his wing, um, sharing that fence line and, uh, showing him everything that he knew about the land. He, he shared those things with me as well, but you know, 
I'm a, I'm a kid. Yeah. It's not quite the same as, you know, this guy would have been 25, 30 at the Family time. Family had kids and a wife and yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so he was, he was really, really, really proud to, to know my grandpa and know that I'm, you know, he, like I said, it brought him nearly to tears. He's a little too tough to cry, but, uh, he, oh man, now I'm going to make myself cry. Oh. Uh, he was, he, he was believed very much that my grandpa would love what we're doing now. Yeah. He was wholeheartedly like really warm and welcoming, maybe more so than even some of your own family, like just really happy that we were out here and wanting to be here. Now in rekindling this, I said to him, I said, Hey, if you ever have any, uh, you know, like critical advice for me, if you want to be critical of anything I'm doing, uh, can you, can you know, please, please don't hesitate. And he was saying, well, I would never be critical, you know? Uh, and I was like, no, no, no. I don't mean like, like mean critical. I mean, like if you see me doing something and you do something different than that and you have a reason, Come talk to me. Ask me why I'm doing it the way I'm doing and tell me the way you do it the way you're doing it. And and he was just like, oh, yeah. Like I've he, he basically said he's quit talking to people like that because people don't want to hear it. Yeah. People don't want to hear what's coming from him. And he's offered me loads of advice over these last three years. Yeah. Um, he's and and all of it is just from such a sweet, gentle place. Yeah, he came over when we had our first burn pile and let us use his propane torch to get it started. Yeah, he uh, he, he wanted to make sure that uh, we could get the, the, the know-how that he's learned in burning stuff around here for so long. He, he also happens to be a, a firefighter. Yeah. And, he, you know, he just... He, he wanted to tell me what, uh, what regulations we didn't need to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He, you know, he, he, he like set and me straight he, on all which, these things. Which neighbors would complain if the smoke was blowing in their direction. And yep. so if the wind's blowing this way, nobody's going to bother you. <laughs> and he, he even gave us a, uh, he was, he was running for like a commissioner position for yeah, the fire department. Fire and he said, here, put this in your yard. And everyone is going to know that you're more concerned with fire safety than anyone else <laughs> around here. And they will never question anything you're doing with fire. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm just kind of waxing about this guy, but my, my, really my point is, um, the guy, uh, I know that he's coming from a good place whenever he offers me info. Oh, oh. And specifically, um, he gave me the advice, which I kind of already knew and had, but he, he said, he said that, yeah, you should always listen to what I have to say, but only act on it if it seems right. You know, yeah. and it was like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I kind of know that about everyone yeah, and everything. But it's cool to hear the person giving the advice to say that. Yeah. You know, uh, he said, he said, you're always going to make the right decision basically. Yeah. Like even if it's the wrong decision in the end, you're going to, you're going to know more and you'll have made the right decision. He said, if you could count all the wrong decisions that he'd made on his land, it would, you know, it'd fill a book. But every one of those led him to where he's at now, which he is like runs such a tight little operation. Yeah. That guy exerts zero energy to have a, well, not zero. It's a small amount for what he has. And it's because of all of the energy he's already put out yeah. to set it up. The, the same way, it, way it took us a lot of energy to get the, the raised beds up. Yeah. And now but then we're this able year, to just start. We're just enjoying it. Every year, this guy just starts. Yeah. And every year. And he's further, not, look, I don't think he's looking to expand anymore. You no, know? Like it's he like kind of quit got, doing that a few his, years ago. His way of things. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful. That's goals right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, just be that person that can have a conversation without judgment and, um, help people by just like giving information about what you did and, and not trying to micromanage other people's experiences to be just like yours. And I think that's what, you know, when I was, we were kind of, um, talking about the term homesteading and how that fits into what we're doing. Right. we use that. We still use that. I'm probably not going to stop using it. Although it doesn't feel perfect to me. And the reason it doesn't feel perfect is not exactly what I think other people have talked about this too. And it's not because we're not taking raw land and, and going to get uh, typhoid or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that a thing? Scurvy? Is that a boat thing? Sure. Uh, okay. They're, they're, both, they're both diseases. <laughs> Scurvy is malnutrition and uh, uh, typhoid's a disease of some I type. I don't know what typhoid is. Scurvy's the lack of vitamin C. But anyway, so they say. So what, I, what I'm getting at is like um, 
there's not a lot at stake here in the same way as homesteading originally was when that term was originally originated. What, what bothers me about the term homesteading today is that it's been co-opted. I don't know if I want to say that taken over by these pretty Pinterest types, um, that want, that have a garden in their house for two seasons and then want to tell everyone, Hey, buy my book. Here's exactly how to have a garden these, and how to run your, yes. your truck business. And, and like, I don't want to be associated with those people. I just made the big connection that's, that's here that you're going at. Yeah, those people are telling you you're doing it wrong. Yes. I mean, they might not even be directly saying that, but they're saying this is how you do it. They're, these are the sources of internet arguments about how you can't put a fence up like that. You have to put it up like this, except you know, not the pretty girls. That would be their their husbands or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and my farmhand. Oh, and he's also you can't my husband. Make, you can't make sourdough like this. All the nutrients are removed when you when you do this or that. You yeah. know, like why why are you doing that? Uh, that's not necessarily even these these people that you're describing, but the, the but the people who listen to them. The people who are commenting on that well, stuff. Well, and also those are, the, yeah, all those dumpster hunts, fires And they're just are. trying to find a way to make money online. And, they, and spoiler alert, it's because they're not making enough money on their homestead. Uh-huh. So they have to go online to do it. It's the same Chicken here. city. <laughs> it's the same thing here. Is like, we're not selling our vegetables. Those, that's for our consumption, you know? I'm, I'm like a stay-at-home mom. I'm trying to make this side gig. And for me, doing the workshops on online are a way for me to get a, you know, a few way to extra. signal to people that our homestead is failing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we don't make money. I mean, we, we get, we try to cover our feed cost with egg sales. That's yeah. probably where we do our best. Yeah, no, we do not make money off this place. There's though. other things that we do where we can trade stuff that we make, you know, we're, we're but, getting there, but, uh, and, and it's like, there's more stuff all the time, but, and I like people want my ferments and I make that work for them, you know, through gifts we, and we're, uh, we're not trades. making money, but we're making value that's beyond and money connections to and us. everything. But the workshops online, like I, I was doing them in in house here and it was great because people could taste stuff and see my fridge and the space I work in. You know what I mean? How hot you are. <laughs> No. And then um, they can see it through the Zoom call because I use that filter that makes me look less disgusting as I look in real life. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I I thought, you know, finally when I decided to put them online, it's just like there's I can reach more people that way. Yeah. But my focal point, which I've had to dial down in like my commercials or whatever that I make on my YouTube channel, uh-huh. is like to tell you, I don't know shit, but I've done it a bunch of times and this is how I'm doing it. Right. And maybe if you learn how I do it, then you could do it yourself and then you could figure out how you do it. You're not teaching. You're showing people how you do it. Right. And that's, that's, that's what I, that's my goal is to like, I don't want to say I'm teaching, even though the word gets thrown around. I don't like to say class, even though that comes out sometimes, of course, but what I want to do is have a, like a group where we come together to learn together with varying, various levels of experience. And, um, we all have different, you know, environments and understanding and equipment and skills. And with the knowledge that I've gained over my, you know, decade of fermentation, then I can share that with people and give them a head start in just kind of a way to like, just don't be scared and dive in. And then the real learning happens when they go and do that in their kitchen. Absolutely. And then they can then share something with me that I have never caught. You know, and that's already happening. And that's what my telegram group is for. That's what's the beauty. So the telegram group comes with the admission to the workshop and you get to be in that group and you stay there forever. So people who came to the fermentation for food preservation workshop are now watching all these people that came to my fermented beverages workshop, share all the different drinks they're making. Mm -hmm. And those people are going to still gain information from that as well. And it's like, Already people are asking questions I'd never thought of before. Just the other day, Cliff was like, can you make a, can you do a tapache again, a second, a second round with the same rinds? That's a damn good question. And I was like, I've never done that. Why oh, haven't I ever thought of that? Yeah. I do that with my beet kvass. Yeah, Cliff. Why have I never thought of doing that with my tapache? And I'm like, hell yeah. And then Tammy's like, I make vinegar with those. And then I'm like, yeah fucking make vinegar with your pineapple peels, right? Yeah. Or make vinegar with your apple scraps. Mm -hmm. Or, and then he was like, can you make 
kvass with um, apple skins. If you're going to peel a bunch of apples and I'm like, well, I've only made apple cider vinegar, but I bet if I would have stopped after three days, it would have been kvass yeah. and I would have added sugar. It's, it's going to pass that. Yeah. So this totally. year when we process apples, I'm trying to make apple scrap kvass and see yeah. what it turns out yeah. like. Maybe yeah, it's yeah. bitter. Maybe it's not good. But and maybe it ends up it. being a magical best thing ever. Right. But like all those kinds of questions, it just people thinking is amazing. There's and, been so and many. None of this would be available to you if you were a teacher who was telling people how to make kvass. Yeah. If I just got on there and say, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say, no, you can't use because I've them read is, every article on the internet. Is no, it's <laughs> honestly, it's just because, no, I've never done it. So, yeah. no, you can't do it. Is right, that, right, you know? right. And that's right. crazy. Like, no, try things, experiment. And, you know, like, if what what's, what's your loss? Like, take that into account. My loss this year will be I lose. Um, a, a, a half a cup of sugar and a gallon of water mm-hmm. if it doesn't turn out good. Mm-hmm. I already used my uh, my pineapple rind f- yep. once. Yep. And so the second batch is just a half a cup of sugar. Do you have a half a, cu- a cup of sugar to spare to gamble with? We could just go to the neighbors and ask if we could borrow, <laughs> borrow one them? so that we don't take any risk. <laughs> but see, it's like I think that comes back to full circle what we maybe talked about in the beginning of this podcast and we've talked about in our personal life a lot is that we are LARPing yep. live action role play, right? We are playing pretend as if we are not able to go to the store and do these things. Right? Mm-hmm. So if we had minimal resources and no, 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 but we can go to the store, we can go to the store and buy more apples, even though they grow on our tree. If we have a bad year for apples, so it's a bad season, season for, for apples. apples. <laughs> somebody's going to bring apples in from another area and we're going to be able to buy them. Yep. And yes, the world is scary and yes, things are more expensive and yes, there's this um, like looming conversation of food shortages. And I don't think that those things should be dismissed, but you still have access to those things now. So practice while you can. Like a lot of people talk about prepping and they talk about saving a bag of beans and a bag of rice prep skills. Prep skills now when you can, when the pressure is off and you can just practice. So that's why I want people. That's that value I was talking about when I was saying we don't really make money at this yet. I mean, like I'd like to, Uh but what we're really stacking up is our skills. Our skills and. Which has true value. Community. Yes. And that, that is true value. Not the hardware Sponsored by true value. (laughs) So I, I really, I don't know. I think that it's so super important to be, and I, I guess that lady again that told me I couldn't plant straight into the manure compost, she's missing out on what she might learn from me, who's not, she's looked at things a certain way for so long, she can't see what I see. Right. And she's gone to school, which is indoctrination to make you think there is a certain way. Yeah. And not that even what she learned, I'm not questioning if what she learned is right. I'm just saying that there's a lot of variations of what's right. Yeah. And so when you think you know something already, then you... You block out other people and their knowledge and their experience because it's different than yours and you miss out on that opportunity. So a lot of the reason why I like talking about this topic is because I think it's human nature to get in as you get older, to get into a rut of like dismissing things because like you can only fit so much in your head at a time. I I learned this. I file it away. I walk away. I learned this. I file it away. I walk away. And I don't want to be an old person that's set in their ways, that won't listen, that won't change, that's not learning anymore. And so to talk about this over and over and over again is to try to make me do better. Yeah. Because I really feel like whether or you know not we mean to, we can easily fall into that somehow, you know, at yeah. least in some aspect of our well, lives. It happens all the time. But we can be better than that and just keep forging forward. Right. Well, I think we nailed this one down. Good. What do you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. This was good. And um, if you come over to my house and you see me doing something in the garden, fuck you. I do what I want. <laughs> so <laughs> don't try and tell me how to do my garden. It's wrong. And I'm going to do If you tell me I can't, then I'm probably going to do it twice as hard. And then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> doing things is how you learn. So just get out there and do some stuff. Whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. 
And again, if you want to reach out to us, the world as it is today at protonmail.com. And we love it when you leave reviews. So leave us uh, reviews on your podcast. Five-star review. It helps with the algorithm. <laughs> Always with the algorithm. Um, is that, I don't know. I felt like it was a dancing alligator, like an al- al- alligator rhythm. No, it's, yeah, it's a guy named Algaron. <laughs> Algaron. Isn't that something from Futurama or something? And then we have a really stupid little Garfield book who he's he's in a cat show. I read it to Oh the, yes. He's and, getting a little old for it, yeah. but yeah, the the fancy cat that he's he's competing against is named Algernon. 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 <laughs> stupid. So stupid. Well yeah, send us uh send us reviews, send us emails, buy our weird t shirts. All that stuff is in the, sh- uh, the notes here um, on, and on our link tree. So, All right. Thanks, guys. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>